Hi there and welcome to Sensational, the special educational needs podcast which is brought to you by Slack Group. My name is Claire, I'm the events manager for the group and today we'll be looking at a topic um, which we decided to cover because it came up a number of times during our live webinars and that is helping neurodiverse children to manage impulse control and recognise risk. This is something that raises a lot of concern for parents and carers across the country and causes disruption to the lives of many neurodiverse children and young people. So it's a really important subject to tackle. Just to share with you all, I feel quite fortunate today, not only because I have a wonderful expert speaker for you, but also because for the first time I'm recording this session in a real life podcast studio rather than at my desk in the office. So our voices should be pitch perfect for you and there won't be any clicking of keyboards in the background. So now I'll introduce today's guest. So to help us navigate our way around the topic, I'm delighted to welcome our expert speaker and someone who's becoming a bit of a regular on the podcast, and that is Emma Weaver, Director of the Early Year Service for the ADHD Foundation Neurodiversity Charity. So welcome to the podcast, Emma. Thank you, Claire. I'm really excited to be here and really excited by the fact that you are in a recording studio. I know, with big headphones and everything, yeah. yeah it feels really good. <laughs> um, so I know I've given a little bit of an intro there, but would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your work? Yeah, of course I will. So um, like Claire said, my name's Emma Weaver and I lead on the Early Years Service. So we work predominantly in Liverpool and the northwest of England, but I work for the ADHD Foundation and we are a national charity. So alongside working in the northwest um, of England, we also work across the country. And actually quite excitingly now, we are international. And I've been doing a little bit of work with um, an international school over in Dusseldorf, which has been really exciting. And basically just providing knowledge, understanding around what neurodiversity means, um, particularly thinking about our little ones in early years and key stage one, and how we can support with early intervention and early identification, really. Fantastic. That sounds like exciting stuff. Um, so that's great. Th- thanks, Emma. Um, we'll get on with today's discussion. So it's something that is like quite scary, isn't it, for parents and carers, you know, when their child isn't aware of or acknowledging the dangers around them. Um, and so it's a really um, difficult but important thing for us to, to look at. Um, and so to begin with, tell us what we mean by impulse control and recognising risks and also why is it harder to manage than ever? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think your point about kind of it, it being something that comes up quite frequently. Yeah. Um, it does in a lot of the work that we do, whether it's with parents or whether it's professionals or with children and young people themselves, they often mm-hmm. recognise their impulsivity as well. When it comes to impulse control, I often describe impulsivity as that behaving before thinking. It's that kind of quick thinking and um, that kind of kicks in a little bit too late, that yeah. need to assess what you're doing, to think about what you're doing before you go ahead and do it. For lots of children, it can be very difficult for that to kick in before the behaviour takes place. Children that I've worked with um, have come up with some amazing ways of explaining impulse control yeah. because they certainly do recognise it. They recognise when things have happened that maybe shouldn't have happened and on reflection that they know they shouldn't have possibly done it but I worked with a year five girl and I will never forget her explanation because I thought it was spot on Mm -hmm. and I use it all the time when I'm describing impulsivity and she explained it as it's a burst of energy that for her comes from nowhere but her body responds much quicker than her brain gets a chance to explanation isn't it yeah. yeah, and that was from a year five girl who was just explaining that actually her body's just a little bit quicker than her mind yeah. sometimes. 
Um, we work really closely with an ADHD speaker over in America, Ned Hallowell. Right. And he's got a brilliant saying. And he says it's like um, a Ferrari engine, but with bicycle brakes. So it's that kind of whizzing off and it yeah. takes a little bit of little bit of raining in. Um, but I think what I really liked about it was it helped us to understand that lots of our children and young people with ADHD, the reason we see impulsivity in ADHD is because the part of the brain that helps us with our impulse control um, is just a bit immature. It's delayed in its development. Um, it doesn't mean that the child or young person can't use impulse control to manage things. Yeah. You just need a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of support around it. And sometimes they're able to do it really easily and other times they need some additional supports with it. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go on to our next question now. So, I mean, at the moment, my toddler's natural instinct when they are getting frustrated with one thing or another is to just like whip each other's glasses off and fling them across across the room. They don't take a second to think. They just instinctively, they grab and they throw. I'm guessing it's something that they will grow out of. And I imagine and, and hope the way in which they show their frustrations will change as they as they get bigger. Um, so when we look at the ages of our children, can you talk us through what we might expect to see occurring in the different stages of a child or young person's life if they're having problems with impulse control or recognising risk? Because they're quite different, aren't they, from, from toddler to teenager? Definitely. Now, impulse control. Um, so think about toddlers in particular. Yeah. Toddlers are meant to be impulsive, although it's hard to manage. <laughs> Tell me about so, it, yeah. <laughs> especially when you've got twins. Yeah. <laughs> kind of keep on top of two lots of impulsive yeah. <laughs> behaviours. But it's it's very typical for mm-hmm. little ones kind of around the age of two to four yeah. to be very impulsive. And that's because we develop something called inhibitory control in our early years. And inhibitory control is just stopping yourself from doing something. Yeah. There's a, if anybody wants to have a little look on YouTube, there's a brilliant video called the Marshmallow Challenge. And it's where they um, children are getting given a marshmallow and they are told not to eat it while the adult leaves the room. And if they don't eat it, that, they're yeah. rewards. Oh, you've possibly seen it. It's brilliant. And they're three-year-olds. As soon as the adults walked out the room, even before the adult's gone, they've, they've put it in the marshmallow. Straight away. over, yeah. Yeah, as you get to about five, you you wait for your reward, which is two marshmallows yeah. rather than one. And that's inhibitory control. Now, that's in a typically developing child. For children with ADHD in particular, inhibitory control is impacted by the condition. So we see a range of different kinds of impulsive or risk-taking behaviours. And they're obviously relevant to ages and stages. Yeah. They're also related to environmental influences, friendship circles you know all of that sort of stuff but when I think about some of our young children that we work with risk taking might be something like um, a five-year-old coming down the stairs and attempting to jump from the fifth stair without pre-warning you Um, or I sometimes have parents will say things to me like my child even at the age of eight wouldn't think twice about just running across the road without looking so that kind of uh, behaving before thinking, but can get them into some tricky situations. And then that obviously, as children get older and maybe different influences come into life for our teenagers in particular, which is, you know, lots of risk taking normal yeah. kind of mm-hmm. things that teenager, teenagers are meant yeah. to do. You know, they're meant to take risks in order to develop independence. It's really important that they do because that's how they learn yeah. and how they grow. 
But for some children, that risk-taking behaviour can get, then get them into difficulties. So, you know, we have been aware of teenagers maybe experimenting with substances and things like that, or maybe finding themselves getting into difficulty with the police. Yeah. Um, not all at all, yeah. you know, not 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 at all, but um, it, it, risk-taking behaviours. I suppose it's that not analysing the consequences or the instant consequences or the long-term consequences as well. Um, and obviously, as you think about as you get older and you're developing those independent skills, that can become challenging as we get a little bit bigger as well. Great. OK, thank, thanks so much, Emma. We'll, we'll go on to our next question now. Um, so what p- practical strategies or advice could you offer to families whose children are on the autistic spectrum or have a child with ADHD? And, and you know, how do these techniques differ? <laughs> I think it's about being really clear, really consistent yeah. with your boundaries, particularly around risk. You know, you might want to sit down with your child to work out like an agreed set of rules, really, or the consequences to certain kind of um, uh, um, uh, you know, behaviours that you might see. Getting them down on paper can be really helpful. We talk about um, uh, the ADHD Foundation. Lots of our children with ADHD and autism remember things better when they can see it. Yeah. So if you have visual examples of expected behaviors or visual examples of what a consequence might look like so it might be you get your xbox taken off you or it might be that you know you don't you you lose out on an opportunity at the weekend if you visualize it and externalize it that could be really helpful also think about role modeling behaviors is really effective as well so as our children grow up they learn so much from what they see and what they experience so also as adults I think kind of being you know role modeling those respectful behaviors but also thinking about how we role model risk assessment now when you're crossing the road with your with your children or your young your young people labeling it being really explicit around yeah and just talking through it's like a coaching model really of when when I'm just about to cross the road I have to look left and right yeah um you know label maybe if it goes wrong for you as an adult because that's that's normal for lots of us as adults yeah, yeah. you get into you know, the get road, it. And you're like uh, 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 and you just dash back again yeah Absolutely. And there's something that can can be really helpful as well in in kind of, I suppose, a set of social instructions. You could use the likes of social stories or therapeutic stories to help as well. And social stories are just basically a a set of social instructions. But you might focus that around um, risk taking when at the park with your friends or uh, you know, appropriate risks when going to the cinema, you know, and kind of it's just a little list of things that goes in your child's pocket. Like they can have a little movie. Just working through it sort of thing. Yeah. You yeah. And it's just absolutely. And it's just when it's visual, when it's there on a tick list or on a, on a piece of paper and the yeah. child can look at it, it's just maybe a prompt to kind of externalize what maybe isn't happening internally yeah. from the perspective of remembering what I need to do in this situation. Brilliant. Some some great advice there, Emma. Thanks ever so much. Um, So we've talked about some strategies there. So can you give us an example of when those strategies have worked? So can you give us an idea of like where the child was when they started, what was put in place and then the journey journey they went on and the outcome? Yeah, absolutely. We use one strategy. one that I love in particular for our primary school age children, but I think it'd be really effective for our secondary school yeah. um, children as well. It's called the Stop, Think and Do coaching strategy. And I worked with, he was a year two boy in a primary school. Right. Brilliant little boy. 
um, but was getting himself into some real tricky times, yeah. impulsive behaviour. So when it came to free time, he'd be out on the playground and he'd get himself into, t- into difficulties because yeah. he just wasn't quite, quite reading the social situations. Going um, around him and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and kind of if he wanted it, he got it, whether it, whether somebody else was playing with it or not. Yeah. Just And it was interesting because this little boy was really aware of it after it had happened. It was just in the moment that that whole body before brain thing yeah. kicked in for him um, and, and he was finding it tricky. So what we did was we implemented this coaching strategy. Um, there was loads of ways that you can implement it. The coaching strategy is great for in the moment if we're able to catch the impulse before it happens. But that's easier said than done. It is. And it's where, yeah. and if you're lucky enough, all we need to do is just say, oh, let's stop. And you might want to use like a hand gesture to, to demonstrate that. Again, yeah. externalize it through a visual. So you might say to a child, let's stop. Let's have a little bit of a think. What can we do? Yeah. So, you know, you're going to grab that ball and it's going to cause a trickiness for you. Let's stop. Let's have a little bit of a think. What is it that you want from this? You want the ball. What can we do to get the ball or what can we do to share? So that's like the coaching strategy in the moment. And that can be really, really helpful when you're out at the shops, when you're, you know, going to Nan's house, all those kind of opportunities where you might see that impulse, um, impulsive behavior. But you can also use stop thinking do when you're playing games. So with this little boy, what we decided to, he loved mazes. So I printed loads of maze pictures off and we would just sit and as soon as he got a maze in front of him, he'd just dart to finish it and he'd be down the wrong, uh, down the wrong path, up, all over yeah, the place. Yeah. yeah, and by the end of it, you couldn't actually see the maze because it was just pen <laughs> all over the place. So we used mazes as a, right, let's stop. Let's plan where you're, where it's going to go and then let's do it. Yeah, and it yeah, took perfect. a bit of training. Yeah, yeah uh, I can imagine. But at least you yeah. had fun as well doing the mazes along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, even games like Snap. Um, yeah. can be really helpful for that or Jenga or even we do like hard matching games um, where the, the children, you know, match, I don't know, a picture to, a, 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 we use alien pictures. So it was a picture of an alien with the alien's shadow. We oh, had to okay. match the shadow yeah. mm-hmm. to the alien. Um, so we do things like that. So, you know, there's lots of ways that you can, you can, I suppose, teach impulse control. And it's just that idea of just teaching that. Let's just slow down and kind of think Mm -hmm. about it before it, before the urge comes in. Great. Okay. Well, um, we'll move on now. So I've heard some parents often say that their child is left with feelings of guilt and shame after an outburst or some kind of incident where they put themselves in an unsafe situation. So how can we help children after the event to overcome any low feelings about themselves? Yeah, and you know what, Claire? This this happens a lot, yeah, and and got, yeah, and, and it's and it's tricky because before my before my time as the early years lead, I worked therapeutically in, in school, right. so I would sit and do one to one sessions with mm-hmm. the kids, and um, there were so many children would call and they'd say, "Emma, I did this. I didn't mean to." And one boy in particular used to get really upset with himself over over yeah. what had happened. He knew he shouldn't have done it, and he knew instantly that you shouldn't have done it but it was like I've done it and it's too late so we used to do and I think it's really important to just in a really non-judgmental way and it's not this kind of tool isn't to be used as like a consequence or anything like that it's just let's reflect on it then um we call it the problem solver and it's where again externalize the thoughts of get them down on paper yeah yeah, so we'd just sit with the child and just just say to them, you know, tell me what happened, and they'll explain it. 
And then you go, now tell me what your role was. What did you do in that? And now tell me what the consequence of that behavior was. And often it's not very good. Often it's, I I did this and then it's led to this. But then you reflect on them and you go, okay, it's happened now and there's, we can't we can't go back in time, but what could we do if we found ourselves in that situation again? Yeah. And you just pose the same questions, but with, with the reflective time. So, you know, what could you have done differently? And had you have done that differently, what might happen? What might have happened? Yeah, so they might think about that for next time and almost sometimes just going through the the story again or going through the process of what happens. It's like offloading the feelings of it all, isn't it, in a way, just talking it through. Definitely. And I think, you know, it's really important as well that when a child recognises that they've done something impulsive and they're upset with themselves, that we also teach them some kind of strategies for managing those big feelings when that happens. They do feel very big at that time, don't they? Yeah. So it's, you know, teaching breathing strategies, resistance work where you can just go and like pull against a resistance band just to get that feeling out of your body. We could all do with doing that sometimes, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's just about, I suppose, giving them the tools that maybe they need a little bit of extra pointing at pointing out. Yeah. Great. Okay. So um, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because it's all about celebrating the unique qualities of our children. And so is there a way of us using the individual traits of our children to help them conquer or, or work through their impulsive or risk-taking behaviour? And how can this be achieved? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I, you, this is what we're here for, aren't exactly. we? We're here to celebrate. Yeah. And, you know, the impulsivity is tricky and, yeah. and it is tricky, but... And I see impulsivity through lots of different lenses. So in my work in schools, impulsivity to me is a really engaged child. So those kids that shout out in the classroom because they want to answer the question first, or those children that are really competitive, actually, you need a bit of that, but, yeah. you know, yeah. to kind of engage in what you're doing, you know, to be impulsive on the sport, on a sports field, brilliant, you know, so it's not about looking at the negatives. It's about working with the positives. Yeah. Um, and we, I worked with a, it was a, a young girl and she recognised her impulsiveness. And we did loads of work to, during our therapeutic kind of uh, time together. Yeah. Um, but we talked about the chimp brain. So uh, the way that we like explored impulsivity was the fact that we've all got an inner chimp. Um, I have, you have, your mum has, yeah. grandpa has, <laughs> the teacher has, every single person's got a chimp. And that actually some people's chimps on certain days, maybe they're tired or hungry or just feeling a bit moody. Maybe they're chimps. A little bit more on yeah. yeah. And then we talked about what we just need to do is we need to just train our chimp. And, you know, our chimp that's a bit sad today needs a bit of training to kind of yeah. pick themselves up. Or, and what was really lovely after doing loads of stuff around the chimp brain, she then ended up talking in one of her PSHE lessons, which is one of the lessons where we look at personal social yeah. Um, kind of uh, an emotional things and she spoke about her chimp brain um, to her class and she spoke about how they've all got chimps and the the kids all drew their own chimp yeah and it was so lovely because it became um like a a bit of a term that they used in in the classroom so you know all the children that maybe didn't have ADHD but maybe did something impulsive because we all do it would say oh you know my chimp overreacted then or or my chimp got a bit angry then so for me, for this girl in particular, it was, she recognised it, we explored it, and then she used it to kind of yeah, really brilliant. help. Yeah. Yeah. And teach other people as well. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Great. Okay. So let's move on to our next question now. So 
Are there any ways in which we can help children and their siblings to better understand the reasons behind why they do they sometimes do the things that they do? Again, like maybe the inner chimp is a good uh, explanation, I guess. Yeah, I think using different analogies are really helpful with yeah. with siblings. I worked with a, another little boy and he described his impulsivity um, as a rocket that's gone off too early. <laughs> he loved it. He, and, and actually, I quite like that as well. It's that idea that your rocket shoots off up to space yeah. and your astronaut hasn't gone in yet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but actually that came from a child you know so I think as adults Brilliant. we can dig deep thinking what is impossible yeah. and then you ask a child and you go yeah and they say that and I was like oh, that's brilliant and it, yeah. yeah so I think using analogies using visual prompts really really helpful you can get some great books out there as well you know that focus on on um, yeah. impulsive there's some brilliant books in the likes of the works which um uh, uh the works well, I don't know whether they're in every part of the country I think they are but there's a national <laughs> yeah uh, I hope so that's okay <laughs> shall talk we'll google somebody. it yeah yeah uh, but they've got loads uh, t- 10 books for 10 pound yeah. and they're not like big big sellers you know mm. they're they're I've got one and it's about um tigers having tantrums for little ones but then I've also got ones yeah. about um what about a dinosaur that's impatient so helpful those sorts of things aren't they for people yeah there's loads of them so they can be really helpful and really effective as well brilliant okay um so as we close our our session today can you leave us with a set of sort of quick fire tips to bear in mind when we're managing impulse control and, and recognizing risks yeah i think if we were kind of to kind of keep it all short and sweet yeah. based on what we've explored it's that be really clear about the rules and and kind of the expected behaviors and what the consequences are if you break those yeah. rules or or if you see those kind of challenging behaviors or negative behaviors help your child to understand impulse control i think that's the most important i think i'm a massive believer in if you understand yourself and you understand the reasons why yeah. then you can then do something yeah, about absolutely. that which you know um I also think coaching impulse control role modeling when maybe you haven't got it right as an yeah. adult but you know was saying oh I was impulsive there or my chimp responded a lot quicker than I was than it was meant to there I'm gonna start using um, that the chimp thing that's great yeah. I use it all the time yeah I think my friend's like oh she's talking about the chimp again yeah. <laughs> just gonna think it's really useful um and then to just take time to reflect you know like when an impulsive moment happens it's happened and it yeah. and you know behavior it's not an excuse for be, for challenging or, or uh, negative behavior mm-hmm. all behavior that causes harm to yeah. themselves or to other people needs dealing with and needs consequences absolutely and um, but actually when it comes to an impulsive behavior it's about reflecting on it how could we have handled that differently next time okay all right well thanks so much emma for your time today what a great session quite a sort of weighty one to to talk through but really important advice and support there and which i'm sure will will help many of the families listening and so that brings us to the end of our podcast today if you're listening to this you might want to check out some of the other resources we've done in partnership with the adhd foundation including a two-part webinar series focusing on adhd and girls more details about these resources uh, can be found on our website, which is withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash resources. So thanks again to Emma, our listeners, and I'll see you next time on Sensational. Bye for now.